Let's speak about the final of the final one of the 32 sonatas, the great Opus 111 in C minor. So we have had two works in the major key, and here we have a C minor one. Very important tonality for Beethoven if you think of. Pathetic sonata opus 13, or something like. The violin sonata opus 13, number 2, or the third concerto. or the Coriolan. So there are great C minor works by Beethoven and it's no coincidence that he comes back to this key for the final sonata. Um, if I mentioned Opus 13, the pathetic sonata, there we have a grave introduction with dot, dotted rhythms reminiscent of a French overture. because we have these exclamations with the uh, these diminished seventh chords and listen to the beginning of opus 111 Dotted rhythms, papam, papam, papam. If you think of Bach's rom, this is the French overture, and it has the same rhythm. Uh, now Beethoven has the three exclamations, and they represent the three diminished sevens chords, if I add the notes of those, so... Then we have the twelve tones. It's, just, it's almost twelve-tone music in that sense. Uh, sense already that the gravity of these chords and the 12 notes and these chords they they are like like atlas carrying the whole weight of the globe on his backs so we are going to to have music of extreme gravity and uh, 
these again these are pictures of, of Dante's inferno the tension of that marking is maestoso, majestic, not a single word, word that would describe slowness. It's usually played very, very slowly because performers fear that the slower you play, the more seriously you will be taken. Well, when we come to the end of this section, which is very important because we will see that the diminished seventh chords will appear throughout the movement. But this maestoso introduction as such will never be heard again. Therefore, it's a very different construction from the opening movement of the Pathetic Sonata. And when we reached the dominance, so here we are on the dominant and it's you can have the feeling of expectation here one hears the the timpanist playing and this tremolo in the bass this is not a free trill but it's demi semi quavers written out and as Beethoven approaches the main Allegro, Allegro con brio ed appassionato, he does not write an accelerando. So that means that these 30 second notes, they don't make an accelerando and they will correspond with the 16th notes in the main allegro part. So what we had as demi-semi-quavers, they will be semi-quavers in the main allegro. So let's see how that happens.
So there was this incredible, dramatic feeling of genesis, creation out of nothing, out of chaos. And when Beethoven wants to write something very rhetorical and very emphatic, he, he uses unisono. So we have long passages in unison and spiced with sforzandi and with accents which have to be really played to the extreme. There is nothing worse than when a performer tries to iron out these edges of Beethoven. I think I said that before because I have to say it to myself too. <laughs> yeah, so. These accents, they are, they are almost unmusical. Every music teacher would say to the pupil, don't do those ugly accents, but he wants it. <laughs> At last we have the theme in harmony. Uh, this is very reminiscent of the, of the um, first movement of the Ninth Symphony, when the woodwinds are playing these repeated quavers. Here is these little hesitations and, and ritardandi. Then back to the tempo. Here, as opposed to the unisons before, he is using now elements of fugato technique, counterpoint. semi-quaver and the, the counterpoint and where I just stopped now let me play it again second subject which is like like an island in this this drama the only lyrical element and it's very very short he doesn't let us enjoy it too long uh, let me play it again now a variation on it Slower adagio. But now. <laughs> so 
connect the whole orchestra and the woodwinds here. And again, these very forceful unison passages with accent. Here, Beethoven repeats the whole exposition, which is his only exposition repeat in the final sonatas. Uh, I'm not going to play it now, so let's go on to the development section. Passage, piano very soft and in unison, and then it goes into a further fugato. short fugato, only three themes, but we had a new theme made out of four notes. This is somehow related to our main theme. Yes, but in larger note values augmented, and when we reach this um, everything is on the pedal point of G, which is the dominant of C minor, and if we think back of the diminished seventh chords of the beginning we can hear them again here first one, the second one, and the third one. And so one more time. So that's again the recapitulation with, with Beethoven. It's never mechanical, so he doesn't give us the recapitulation in the original position. But again, extreme high and low of the keyboard and in quadruple octave. So, yes, so the recapitulation then goes on in the more or less customary way and the coda, like after the storm, when one gets very, very tired after a storm. Yum. Mm -hmm. 
again reminiscent of, of the D minor sonata, the Tempest sonata, this after the storm feeling. And I spoke a great deal now about this first movement because this is my only complaint about Thomas Mann's Dr. Faustus, who almost ignores this first movement and just writes about the Arietta, which is really one of the wonders of mankind. But I think the Arietta would not have this extraordinary effect on us without the preparation of this very dramatic, very dark first movement. Now, the Arietta. Opus 109, we had the theme with variations, also in triple time. Here the meter is 9 sixteenths. So it is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. And it starts with an upbeat. So when you hear this, I'm sure many of you know this from hearing and you think that this is the downbeat. It's not a downbeat. It's an upbeat. Seven, eight, nines. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Beethoven writes, Adagio molto semplice e cantabile. So, it's very important to phrase this instruction like as if it was a musical phrase. To me, it means adagio, slowly, molto semplice, very simply, e cantabile, and singing. So, not very slowly and simply, but slowly and very simply. Because like the, the maestoso introduction of the first movement. Again, we have heard countless, really also wonderful performances of this arietta, but excruciatingly slow. And I think even if Beethoven was deaf by now, but he, his memories of sound they were still with him. And it's, it's important to know these, these old instruments and fortepianos of Beethoven's time. If you ever played one of them, they give you the right ideas about tempo. Uh, many of the tempi that we play today are either much too fast or much too slow. 
and not moderate. But on, on a Beethoven fortepiano, you couldn't play a tempo like this. I'm just playing a parody now. and you could have your dinner and your breakfast and your lunch, <laughs> I would still be playing very, very profound. And, and, and so I'm not trying to be cynical, but really one should not try to set the world record of slowness here. <laughs> because that's not what Beethoven wanted. Now, this movement, theme with variations, is the different concept from the theme and variations of the E major sonata. There we had uh, different character variations and, and the theme returned at the end, we remember it. Uh, this, this is a different strategy now, because Beethoven never repeats himself. Um, let me still play the second part of the theme, because we haven't heard it yet. this yambic movement, this rocking yambic movement, um, going back to, to liturgical texts, to me this, this is gratias, a, a song of thanksgiving. That's what I associate it with. Um, now, the first three variations belong together, and they form a block. Again, Beethoven keeps the same pulse, but uses smaller and smaller note values. The first variation... This 916th time, and again we have a very symmetrical shape, 16 bars twice, both sections repeated. The second variation uses smaller note values, the uh, 30 second notes or, or demi semi quavers.
could still feel the pulse. Yum, patum, 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 patatum, papim, patum, papim, papum, papum, So it's all related. And the third variation further intensifies this and uses 64th notes or hemi-demi-semi-quavers as its basic note value pattern. And. Uh, <laughs> is not the four story of a boogie woogie as many people suggest I get very upset when I hear that oh this, this variation is so jazzy there's nothing jazzy about it it's only of course today we have different associations and we cannot forget all our experiences of jazz but with due respect to that, I don't. This, this is the most spiritual creation of the most spiritual composer, so let's not associate it with banalities. And so, as, as we see, the note values are smaller and smaller, and th this is uh, the music of, of the utmost ecstasy. We started with very solemn harmonies, harmonies and the harmonious. Apollonian world, and by now we reach the uh, Dionysian ecstasy. After this, there is a very drastic break. <laughs> This is what, what we call a, the de deconstruction of the material. Uh, we go back to darkness and we hear these triplets in the bass. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That was this. And we hear fragments of the theme in the base region, like size, like sospiri. would come a, a repeat of this section, but Beethoven changes from darkness to light and from, from the ground to the stars.
for the second part, back to darkness. So this is the most wonderfully transcendental poetic music, which has nothing to do with piano music anymore. Uh, and then, when the second part enters the stars, let me play that again. This would be the end of this variation. And at this point, Beethoven abandons the whole structure of variations and starts something incredibly new and very poetic. and here we have like an instrumental cadenza and again let's see what he does with the trills because I think this is the apotheosis of the trill even Beethoven had not even in the Waldstein Sonata and not even in Opus 109 have given such significant role to the trill which is not decorative at all but existential because for the first time he leaves the tonality this step of the bass from B natural to B flat points the way towards E flat major then we have the in three voices simultaneously. This is also very novel. And then the trill stays alone.
this is where I would always like to stop in a concert. It's like, this is the Faustian moment where you would like to stop time. But that's the moment where you would sell your soul to the devil. So we have to go on, but this is... In the theme we had... And so this is... Why do I want to stop time here? Because this is... Again, the, the grounds and the heavens, the, the greatest possible distance between them. And where, this is I think the Beethoven's question, where is our place as human beings between those two levels? So, let me play... come back from that far away land to home. can feel the vicinity of homecoming. And indeed, this wonderful Thanksgiving returns in all majesty and all simplicity. And we can feel Gratitude. I think if there, there are two words, is they are gratitude and forgiving. That's what I feel by, when I listen to this music or when I have the privilege to play it. Because of a fantastic, great genius who had really suffered more than, than anyone. And still being able to write this music and transmitting gratitude and, and, the, and the deep, profound, really almost, and not just almost, but to me, holy, religious feeling. A gratitude to, to God for, for being alive and for being able to write music like this.
Thank you.